rebooted my computer in a while, so hopefully it doesn't crash, but you never know with that shit. Um, okay, yeah, so no, this, this episode, um, we actually have a fan message and a question. You know, going Ooh. back to the old days of 2017 when I used to ask for questions because I was imitating Dice Funk, which was imitating Bim Bam. Or not Dice Funk, uh, Word Funk. I was imitating Word Funk, and Austin used to ask for questions. And so I asked for questions. But then, I mean, we only have like 10 listeners now. Hi, Eugene. Um, <laughs> Hi, Eugene. But also, we can add Hi, Sarah Hanley to our hellos because uh, she's. I think she, I, I forgot to check the pronoun, it might be they, um, on Twitter, uh, offered me and a bunch of, you know, just, like, Sarah is a long-time listener of, um, Funk Dunk Plays, you know, one of the predecessor shows to this show, the one where I played Kronobi and where Elisa originally came from before she became the Halloween slash April Fool's special character of this show, and went on to be another. You know, Before she became your OC. Yeah, well, yeah, she, well, one, I mean, I still use Jade as my face OC, but if I didn't yeah. ha have Jade, it would probably be Elisa. Because I was yeah, just like... Yeah, face OC, uh, Jade's your face OC, and Elisa's your heel OC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, when I started using Jade as my face OC, I was cycling through just, you know, different um, characters and stuff. Uh, and then it just got stuck on that because that's the one everybody knew me as. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay, so Sarah has been following since the Funk Dunk Plays days. Um, and was on Twitter. She, she did these um, pictures of, like, D&D &D dice, but as animals. Um, not sure if I have it in reach. It's somewhere in the room here. Um... But, uh, yeah, I think, like, one of them was, like, a fish. Like, just cute little designs. Um, and then mentioned that, uh, she's one of the ten listeners that we have for the show. Um, Ooh. and sent us a question. Uh, the question is, this podcast brings up questions I would never have asked about. Most recent is, is Salacious Crumb a balding labyrinth fiery? Um, and I had to look into this because I haven't actually seen the movie Labyrinth. You know, I've seen, like, a lot of Jim Hansen, but that one just went, you know, I've seen clips. Um, but yeah, so I looked up what the fireys in Labyrinth look like, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it is the same puppet mold as Salacious Crumb. Because I know the Hansen company worked on a lot of Star Wars puppets, so... Yeah. Yeah, like it, it, like the beak and the ears and everything. It looks like the head shape looks the same as Salacious Crumb, just bigger. <laughs> when when did we talk about this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We, we probably talked about some Star Wars thing. Maybe I mentioned. I mean, I Jabba's Palace is my favorite sequence of any <clears throat> thing in a Star Wars movie. So I've probably mentioned Salacious Crumb at some point. It, was it way back when we actually watched the movies, like six months ago? Uh, I mean, could be. I don't know, like Book of Boba Fett. I think I talked about like Max Rebo and how great it is that he's back. So, 
Yeah, I mean, we we do kind of go off into that, the Star Wars weeds every now and yeah, then. Yeah, might true. might have brought some other. I don't remember if I mentioned Slacious Crumb specifically, but yeah, Max Rebo's back, and they do confirm it is Max Rebo and not a different Ortolan. In the latest episode, they they call him Max, so we know that it that is indeed Max Rebo who's hanging out at Jessica Beale the Twi'leks. Uh, <laughs> I'd say nightclub, but we only see it during the day. But it feels like a nightclub, social club, uh, whatever it is. Um, That's another thing I need to watch, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so Haw- Hawkeye, Eternals, Black Widow, Shang-Chi. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, Moon Knight in March. If, if you haven't caught up by March, Moon Knight will be added to that. Uh, based on the trailer for Moon Knight, it doesn't look like he's going to be getting his money back from Dracula, but, um... Damn it. We, we can hope. I mean, you, you know, that's a thing they have to do at some point, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it. maybe he'll cross over in the Werewolf oh by Night Halloween <laughs> special that they're doing. They're, they're doing, like, a Halloween special one-shot episode of Werewolf by Night in October this year. And maybe Moon Knight will show up to get his goddamn money from Dracula. <laughs> um, he, just, he just sees a kid dressed as Dracula and starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like based on the trailer, it seems like I think I've actually read the story they're adapting. Just from like some like they show like a clip of this like one cult leader character, and that I, I've read one of the newer arcs, the first volume was that there was like a some kind of cult leader was like the villain of that so i think i might have read the story it's based on but i don't remember all that much beyond that i mean they're definitely going with like the newer version of because like classic moon knight is basically just like batman except that his backstory is that he was a mercenary who decided the you know mercenary leader he was working under was a bit too brutal and so he turned on him, and so the guy killed him, but he killed him in a temple of the Egyptian moon god Khonshu. So he was resurrected as the Moon Knight, um, and then went back to, I think, New York to um, fight crime and stuff. But he also has a thing for, like, uh, putting on disguises and pretend... Like, he has, you know, like he'll pretend to be, like, the rich, fancy Bruce Wayne type, but also he'll pretend to be, like, a a cabbie with a heavy accent or you know like he's got these different disguises he puts on and newer versions of moon knight they've decided to give him dissociative identity disorder and say that like all those different personas he's putting on are actually like his fragmented personality and like he can't remember things that his other personas have done um and that like the moon knight is like another persona that's just this violent crime fighter um, I do like the design, though. Like, I don't know if you've seen that trailer, but um, the no, I I I have had very very little free time, mm. uh, like the past two weeks, four well, days. Yeah, I guess it was this week that that came out. Um, yeah, because Moon Knight in the comics is usually just like white spandex and a white hooded cape. Um, this Moon Knight looks more like a mummy, like there's visible wrapping to him, so. You know, they're leaning a bit harder into the Egyptian thing. That's cool. I mean, 
Makes sense. Also speaking of mummies, Sarah, in addition to the question, sent me a link <laughs> to an article about the origin of, um, I guess in like 1600s, I think the article said, um, there used to be a popular paint called Mummy Brown that was made with real mummies. The, like, they, they ground up mummies and made this one shade of brown paint, and it was popular. But then they ran out of mummies, so they stopped doing it. Um, and now people think museums might be haunted because there's, you know, mummy remains in the walls. Uh, like, like, painted onto the walls and stuff. Was so. this in... Was this in, like, England? Uh, it's probably. I mean, I think it said something about, like, a, a you know, like there was a popular trade between Europe and Egypt for mummy remains that they'd grind up and use for, like, fake medicine and paint and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Like, isn't, isn't that lovely? Yeah. It's like <laughs> human, someone, you know, they, they, just, they found all these mummies and, like, what are we going to, how are we going to make money from all these mummies? And and then they just started coming up with stuff. What are we going to do with all these human remains? <laughs> Let's slather them over our walls. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they're mummy remains. They're, they're special. It's not like if you just, you know, yeah. dug up a regular graveyard and some, yeah. you just find someone's bones in there and you know, grind them up into powder. Although It'd I'm sure that funny. yeah, I mean somebody's we, probably done that. You know, make some yeah. fake mummy paint out of not a mummy; it was just a regular corpse. I mean, late anyway. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I start to make jokes, and then I'm like, "This is dumb." Well, <laughs> all I'm saying is we need to demand higher quality out of our mummy paints. You know, and, and make sure you're buying from the source. You get real, genuine mummy paint. Don't support the knockoffs. They're they're just diluting the market and ruining the value of real mummies. Real Egyptian mummy paint. Don't go for any of that. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 this episode shit. sponsored by Real Egyptian Mummy Paint. Uh, use offer code Shack to get fifteen percent off your next order of real mummy, mummy paint. paint. <laughs> I mean, they also do sell faux mummy paint, but why do you want that shit? I mean, mm. come on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I think I just lost our sponsorship. I'm sorry. Well, the, I, I assume I get to cut off what part of the ad they hear and don't hear, so I can just cut off that part. Okay. Don't you censor me, Jade. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, do you want to get your sponsor check or not? I get paid. Uh, do, do you want to? Yes, I always want to get paid. Okay, um, I'll I'll have to find all those back checks that I owe you <laughs> for all those sponsors we've had. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, our, our Audible code is fuck. Mm. Put enter, enter fuck <laughs> next time. <laughs> you want not <laughs> enter? See what happens. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? They, they, they didn't be... actually tell us when the codes expire, so we don't know. Yeah, they're they're good until we die. <laughs> just just plug in words, and eventually one of them will work. Yeah. Uh, our code is capital A X, uh, lowercase X, by the way. Mm. 
um, four, seven, um, that, that like German B, that means the S's. Yeah. Um, a U with the umlaut, then another 47. <laughs> that, that's our. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely uh, our claim code and not the password to your bank account. Well, the bank account has nothing in it because I never get paid. Oh, yeah. So what does it matter? Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, we're going off on tangents to avoid talking about Eternals, which I watched a week and a half ago and you didn't watch at all. But uh, it is out there you, in the public Thank you, now. Sarah. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Sarah, for bringing back our very old tradition of questions that we haven't had for a long time. Um, Th- thank you for the viewer engagement. Now go like and subscribe to our channel. <laughs> yep, and enter the you know the mommy paint codes and stuff. We need them to know that we are actually bringing sales and not taking away sales Great. by making them if, sound like idiots. <laughs> if if you if you click the link in the description, we get like three cents. But if you actually buy something, we get like four cents. Mm. Yep. Buy some mommy paint. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Eternals, I watched it a week and a half ago. It was bad. I don't remember a lot. I, I think my memory is blocking it to save me. Um, the ending was weird. Um, God, I don't know, should I just walk through the entire plot, or... Who died? Um, let's see, who died? Um, Ajax? I think. But she dies pretty early. Um, I don't know who any of these people are, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. This movie introduces, like, oh God, how many of these fuckers are there? There's Sprite, Ajax, Festus, Kingo, who's the best character. It's pretty universally agreed that Kingo's the best character. Um, Icarus, Cersei, uh... I think there's another one. Um, I don't remember which ones I've said. There's at least six of these guys, maybe more. Um, and we're introduced to all of them over the course of this one movie. Um, I think in a past episode, I might have actually talked about the plot because it was leaked way, like, back in, like, March of 2021. Like, you know, six months or whatever before the movie came out because there was a test screening and because everything's been delayed so many times. Um, so the entire plot was already leaked. And I, you know, instead of going to see it in theaters, I just read the whole plot. And I thought, wow, that is kind of cool that they're adapting that one element of the Earth X comic that I love so much, but I still don't care about the Eternals, so um, I'll just wait and watch it at home, which I did, now that you can. Um... So, okay, um, I guess general plot stuff, because the, the plot, it's like two and a half hours, there's a lot of shots that are very pretty, but also, I mean, I'd say it's more colorful than the <clears throat> Zack Snyder movie, but the fact that you can even make that comparison says yeah, something about not, it. not a great place to be. <laughs> that the costumes are very colorful, but presented in a somewhat brown and muted way. Um, the, the, the plot 
it does a lot of jumping through time, like back and forth. Not the actual time travel, just flashbacks and stuff. Because the premise is that the Eternals are... Um, I mean, spoilers, I guess. The movie's a few months old. You can go watch it on Disney Plus now. Uh, or probably get a really good pirate rip of it now that it's you know available in a digital format and people can do that. Um, the movie's that, available. Nobody cares. It's available. It's out there on the internet. You can go watch it now. Um, but spoilers anyway. So we're introduced to the Eternals as a group of basically aliens who arrive on a big triangle-shaped spaceship um, in like caveman times, and like they you know live among humanity and use their advanced knowledge and technology to foster growth in humanity and civilization it's the basic the, ancient aliens narrative there there are eternal <laughs> yeah but um but also like they, they are doing all that but at the same time they are here on earth on a mission from the celestials who are these big robot looking guys that are probably the coolest part of the movie um that um that there's this one uh, celestial Arisham the judge i think I, I don't know if they gave his title in this but um yeah Arisham sent the eternals to earth to destroy these monsters called the deviants which are just kind of generic like like they're they're monsters but they're almost like made out of like sinew and tentacles and stuff because they can do all kinds of weird crazy things but the eternals can kill them so the Eternals are trying to hunt down and destroy the Deviants alongside protecting humanity because, um, I don't know if they knew at first. It's eventually revealed that there is a baby celestial named Tiamat that is growing inside the Earth and, um, that it feeds on, like, the psychic energies of all the humans living on the planet. Like that, that's what nurtures it and that one day when it you know grows big enough it will hatch and you know break the earth like an egg and um be born and that is um that that's the element that came from the earth x comic although the earth x storyline was just you know, so much it, it wasn't just about the eternal like the only element of eternals really in that comic was this whole thing about, well, that the Eternals were, like, an, a predecessor to modern-day superheroes. And, they, like, they did a lot more with it in the comic. And I guess I can get into that if that's interesting. But um, in this movie, it's just that there's a baby Celestial. It's, it's inside the Earth. The Earth is a big egg. The Celestial's gonna hatch and blow up the Earth. Um, and you, you just had to say the Earth was a big egg. We, we could have inferred all the other information. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, talking for time to get my brain back into this dumbass movie to remember what happened. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because, okay, so, and then we also find out that the Eternals are, um, basically robots. Like, there's, a, you know, just, ton <laughs> yeah, the Eternal, there's tons of Eternals. That the Celestials have made. They're all like robots, and they send them around to these planets where they've got their babies. And that the deviant, the, the deviants were a race created by the Celestials first to get rid of like the predators on these planets that might hurt the baby Celestial inside. Um, but then the deviants 
after, you know, they became the apex predators and killed off all their prey, started to become a danger to the Celestial, so they created the Eternals to be these robots that could be, you know, smarter so that they would um, just be able to, you know, like, first fix the mistake of the Deviants by killing them, and second, you know, foster the growth necessary to make sure the Celestial is born. Um, and then once the Celestial is born and the planet's destroyed, the Eternals all have their minds wiped and they're sent to another planet. Um, but eventually, after, you know, they get their minds wiped too many times, um, they will, you know, start having, like, memories of their past lives leaking in. Which is what happens to Angelina Jolie's character, Athena, uh, who's one of the ones I forgot, so I guess there's at least seven of these guys now. Um, <laughs> so Athena has a condition that they call the Mad Weary, where she will sometimes just go into a blind battle rage because she's remembering one of the previous planets that got destroyed. Um, and um, Ajax, the leader of the group, is the one who talks to Erisham about, you know, orders and missions and stuff. So she knew about this twist the whole time. Um, and eventually, you know, for, for some reason, like, four or five thousand years into human civilization, she finally decides, eh, I'm not sure I want to kill these guys after all. Um, and that's when like, she, she started sharing her doubts with Icarus, and then Icarus killed her, um in order to preserve the mission and so he ends up being he's he's presented as like this very bland like of all the characters he's the one who feels the most like a robot like he feels like he doesn't know how to talk to anyone and he's basically superman like i think the directors even said he's he's like a oh, wow. commentary on like the man of steel version of superman that he's just this like very bland and you know, cold, um, like, alien super person. He can fly around, he can shoot lasers out of his eyes, and he's willing to doom the Earth for the sake of this mission that he has to do. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be nice if the rest of the movie had, like, I'd say any. Kingo is the only one of the characters who has, like, any charisma to him uh most like cersei is like the central character she's person who's had a lot of relationships so she's you know grown personally attached to humanity she's currently in a relationship with dane whitman played by um kit harrington the the john snow actor um who hmm. appears at the start of the movie and then really isn't there for most of the movie and then comes back right at the end after they've saved the world and he starts talking to her like hey by the way i discovered th there's something about my family history i think you should know and then spoilers for the end i haven't even gotten through everything else that happened but right at the end because they end up killing the the baby celestial to save the world um erisham just pops up in the sky and he's like, okay, you Celestials, uh, you're coming with me for judgment. And he just like reaches down and grabs her and grabs the other two that are still on Earth. Because three of them have flown off to space to go find the other Eternals. Um, and Sprite. And Sprite is like eternally a child. Because 
they gave her a child robot body, I guess. And Cersei uses some kind of science magic to make it so that Sprite can age because they want the actor to be able to age if she shows up in a future <laughs> movie. Um, so, yeah. But the other, the ones who weren't turned into humans who can age all get grabbed by Arisham and they just leave Dane Whitman standing there like, wait a minute, I was going to tell you about my Marvel character because he's the Black Knight, <laughs> which is a... a you know, comic character. The second credit scene teases that. They show him, you know, going to pick up his Black Knight sword, and uh, the sword, you know, it has some kind of curse on it. It'll turn him into the Black Knight if he picks it up. And then you hear Blade's voice say something. So, you know, okay. Black Knight will appear in Blade, presumably. Um, they're they're going to team up and, I don't know, fight ancient vampires? Maybe. I don't know what the Black I... Knight's deal is. I, I don't know anything about the Black Knight, and <clears throat> I honestly barely know anything about Comic Blade, but yeah. that that seems like a weird crossover. Yeah, well, I mean, he has a sword. It's a blade. Um, so, <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's the beginning takes, and end right? of the connection, yeah. Like, I don't know, Blade is, or Black Knight is a character who has a history with the Avengers, but aside from that, I know nothing about him. But I guess the comic experts over at Marvel, you know, want to work him in and see if anybody will care. So, whatever. Um, but the answer is yes, as long as you put him in a good movie. Yeah. Like that's all it takes. It does not matter where the character came from. If you put them in a good movie, people will care. Yeah, no, well, they just need to make good movies. I, like if if I was Marvel, I would just make good movies. I think like. Honestly, like if if Eternals, like Eternals, apparently wasn't even that good a movie, and yeah, it, like it's Marvel a bit fans will, are still gonna freak out about it and tell you how it's good actually. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Div- I I feel like the general consensus is that it's not good, but people are more willing to give it a pass because it is Marvel. Um, that's that's dumb. I, I think way. it has. There's one good sequence in it, which is when, uh, after Cersei finds Ajax dead, and, you know, takes, they got this little metal orb thing, which is the thing that they use to talk to Arisham. Cersei becomes the new one who can talk to Arisham. And so, Arisham does an exposition sequence explaining the whole thing about where the Eternals come from, and who the Celestials are, and that they've got a baby growing inside this planet, and who cares if the Earth dies, it's all part of the cosmic life cycle. And just, like, the way they do that sequence, with all, like, the big visuals and stuff, I, that's the only sequence I wish I'd seen on the big screen. Everything else I don't care, um, but that was cool. And the character Kingo is really fun, because he is um, Kamel Nanjiani, is playing yeah. he by the time we meet him in the present day he is like a bollywood superstar he has like a dance sequence in one of his nice. movies that he's filming and then they go to recruit him and he doesn't want to go at first because you know he's got this movie to film um but he's got a loyal cameraman who follows him around everywhere he goes and so he's doing like these like vlogs of their whole adventure to this one cameraman who's just following him everywhere and he's kind of baffled by all just all the like crazy monsters and these like ancient people that he's meeting who have been like hunting monsters throughout all of human civilization 
Um, That's stupid, but I respect it. Yeah, it <laughs> it's the kind of thing that could make for just a really fun, almost Deadpoolish, um, like mini series if they decided to do one of him just going around commentating on thing like crazy things happening in the Marvel <laughs> universe. Like, oh, he he's another person who was actually at. Um, the Battle of New York yeah. in, in Avengers. Yeah, he's just there he's and talking about how he can't get involved because, you know, there's no deviants there, so they're not supposed mm-hmm. to get involved. Um, yeah, because uh, uh, apparently by the time Endgame rolls around, like, every major character ever <laughs> was actually there. Mm. Yeah, because the whole explanation for why the Eternals aren't in anything up to this point is that they hunted down the last deviant like they show them in like ancient babylon um fighting deviants and then they i guess have like traveled the world as human civilization has spread so it's like the 16 15 1600s when they finally kill what they thought was the last deviant before another one pops up in the present day um and that one was in uh, sa- Central South America, uh, some somewhere Central South America, because the the background of that scene is that there's like uh, Spanish conquistadors just slaughtering the natives there, and the Eternals mm. having this like moral debate about whether or not they can get involved in that, um, because there's one, oh God, the, okay, I got the, there's an eighth Eternal. I don't remember his name, but his power is that he can mass mind control people. And so he's like, look, I can just stop this entire slaughter from happening by just making everyone stop. And, you know, they, they tell him, it's like, no, that's not our place. We can't do that. We can't get involved in their human affairs. We're just here to fight the deviants. And, you know, I get it. I mean, technically they have gotten involved in their human affairs throughout their entire lives, but that's kind of the conflict with them. The, that there, it, I guess it is kind of a commentary on the whole superheroes as gods and that distant attitude that, like, especially the Snyder incarnations tend to have. That um, you know, these characters are, like grappling with the same questions, but presented as not like they're definitely not heroic necessarily. In in this, like, it's. If anything, the movie spends too much time having issues with it. Like, the the Hiroshima scene that everyone makes fun of um, was, yeah, that Festos has been sharing technology with people throughout, you know, civilization, and he's, he's there at the explosion of the atomic bomb at Hiroshima um, in, for some reason, a very, you know, clean, like, there's just, like, ash everywhere. Everything's destroyed. And he's got just very clean 1940s clothes with a little bow tie and glasses. But he's like, you know, there kneeling in the ash lamenting the fact that humanity's technology has evolved to the point that they have atomic bombs now. Um, and he blames himself for it. But, but yeah, like the, the point of the scene, I guess, was supposed to be like j- just another bit about this you know, whether or not they should be involved in humanity and if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. Um, I don't know. The, the movie tries to be smart in ways that it isn't. 
yeah, that like just 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 from listening to it, it's like it it sounds very Snyder esque. Yeah, I mean, and the, where it's like, yeah, there there are themes, but like, yeah, and and show. like the biggest problem is that like, like the plot is interesting enough, but the characters. There's just nothing to care about for aside from Kingo having this fun little quirk that he's got his sidekick with him. Everybody else is just so bland, like that. There's just nothing to their personalities, um, and yeah. So eventually they they all you know they, they find out the Icarus killed Ajax, and um, he knows about this celestial baby, and you know they find out everything about the celestial baby, and they decide. That no, they don't want everyone on Earth to die. Um, also, the reason the baby's hatching right now is because the snap um, making half the world disappear and then suddenly reappear kind of jolted it into waking up early. So, the baby's waking up. Um, and it is weirdly smaller than you would think. You know, you'd think if the earth is an egg and this thing is inside the egg it would take up a bigger portion of the egg um yeah the sequence that we see of Arisham explaining the whole thing looks like like yeah this if it was a celestial curled up in the fetal position it would fit inside the earth and then it bursts out um but the final fight we see like part of the hand and the face of this thing as it's emerging from like a volcano um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, small enough to fit on this island, you know, that, like, that, it, considering the scale of the Earth, this thing is, like, tiny. It's, like, maybe yeah. continent size. Like, sure, that would wreck the Earth if something the size of a continent burst its way out, but that's but it's, not... It's not, like, breaking an eggshell open yeah. and, like, the Earth just being blown into, like several different pieces right yeah like if they wanted to be realistic we'd have like a mountain-sized single finger poking out but that's not really dramatic enough so i guess you know they they had to scale it down um but yeah because one of cersei's powers is she can transmute things into other elements so she you know touches the celestial and turns the whole thing to stone so um yeah so the Earth is saved. Hashtag kill the baby. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, it's a movie about an abortion. Um, they, they aborted the baby and saved everyone on Earth. And Arisham... Uh, well, then, then, yeah. So Sprite, they turn Sprite human so that she can age normally. And um, then three of the Eternals get on their spaceship to go find the other Eternals and tell them what the Celeste, you know, what what's really going on with them. Um... The other three stay on Earth, but then Arisham pops up and grabs them for judgment in whatever future movie, who knows, they haven't confirmed in Eternals 2. I have no idea if or when these characters will ever be referenced again, but... This has to be a very expensive movie to make to not be that popular. Mm. Yeah, and um, the mid credit scene is the three Eternals on their spaceship when um pip the troll and eros brother of thanos played by harry styles um oh show up God. and um 
Harry, uh, um, Eros, say, like, one, he says that, yes, he's the brother of Thanos, even though he looks like a regular guy instead of a purple guy. I had to look into it, and the comics explanation doesn't exactly work here, so I don't know how they're going to explain that. Um, but also, it, like, it's weird, because Eros says that he is also an Eternal, but I don't know if that means he's a robot or not. Um, and... Because in the comics, the Eternals aren't robots, and the reason why Thanos is purple is because he's part deviant. Um, but I don't know. D hmm? What? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so I, confused. I hope they don't go with the comic explanation because it's just—it seems like like Thanos was a bad person because he had bad ideas. I don't want it to be Thanos was a bad person because his DNA was bad, and that kinda is what it becomes when you say that well his family are all celestials but he's a big purple guy because he's got some deviant blood in him um yeah it's it's kind of like the dragon ball thing <clears throat> where they they kind of try to write in where it like <clears throat> all of goku's character traits are just the saiyan thing mm. which is a thing that they try to do you haven't seen the original Dragon Ball. So no, no, no I've seen that. the first arc. But Oh, shit, I forgot. Right. I did watch more Dragon Ball. Um, on Kai, I just got to the end of the Cell Saga. Isn't the... the so <clears throat> Shit. Mm. Uh, cut that out. That's gross. Yeah, I usually <laughs> cut that out. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. The, the end of the Cell Saga is like the second best part of... Dragon Ball Z, mm. um, aside from the end of the, the Namek saga. Mm. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. and did, since did I've watched like... season... Like, I watched the whole from Majin Buu waking up to the end in regular. The only stuff I haven't seen is the Gohan as a superhero having a regular <laughs> day job um, saga. Yeah, that's fun. It's not super um important to anything mm. but it, it's kind of fun you get to actually meet fidel mm. so that's nice yeah and like with kai i feel like i'm probably getting the best version of the story but also i'm missing out on a bunch of side characters who were part of the filler arcs because then i started watching some of the um uh, abridged episodes and those are you know based on like the full with the filler version of the story so they're right. you know mentioning like garlic jr and the driving episode <laughs> and um the you know krillin dating a woman for a while and stuff oh yeah <laughs> like that that all doesn't appear in kai because it was part of the filler the the funny thing is that um, the the name of the girl uh, Krillin dates um, ends up being like really close to the name of his daughter. Oh, okay. <laughs> but which like I'm I'm almost positive was unintentional. Um, but that's kind of weird when you mm. <laughs> when yeah he's, you look he's back not going to tell eighteen where he got that name from. He just thought it was a good name, <laughs> right? It's named after his his big titty gold digger um, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, so Eternals. So yeah, so uh, Harry Styles shows up on the ship with Pip the Troll, and he says, "Okay, so we're gonna go rescue your friends now." So I guess the follow-up to Eternals is gonna be whatever movie Harry Styles and friends show up in, which I would guess maybe it'll be after Guardians Three, because when Guardians Guardians Three we know is gonna introduce Adam Warlock, and I think Eros and Pip the Troll are usually traveling companions for Adam Warlock, so maybe after Guardians 3, we'll get an Adam Warlock movie, and that will also resolve Eternals. I mean, maybe they'll get to the planet and find they're all dead, I don't know. You know, they'll just write them out, but... <laughs> That'd be funny. You know. It's like, oh, who are these three skeletons? Oh, those are the guys we're trying to find. I guess they wouldn't be skeletons, they'd be robot skeletons, but... They'd be Terminators. Yeah, they, you know... Took them apart for robot parts to build other Returnals out of. Nice. They they rebuilt Thanos as a as a robot. Although actually, I hope they don't do that because Kingo is one of the three who got grabbed. Because yeah, because Kingo was still on Earth. Because when the final battle went down, he basically religiously objected to the idea of killing the baby. Like, he just decided he didn't want any part in. The thing, and he walked away. Um, but he was still there on Earth, so Erisham grabbed him for judgment. So maybe the... I guess the Celestials would probably look more fondly on him for not taking part in the baby murder than uh, the other two did. He, did. he didn't try to stop the baby murder, though. Yeah, well, yeah. Because he does care about humanity, but also he sees, you know this celestial life cycle is just part of the I guess cruelty of the life cycle of the cosmos so who is he to step in and do anything about it but it was all supposed to happen in the timeline so it doesn't matter yeah yeah well yeah I mean it's all thanks Loki yeah well, yeah cause um Kang only cares about Kang so the Earth could cease existing. It doesn't matter for Kang's, you know, becoming yeah, I'm, Kang. I'm just, I'm just being. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe Kang will just like show the, up and kick the Celestials' ass. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> part of his. Well, now now that the timeline's been disrupted, there's a bunch of Kangs. So one of the evil Kangs will it, decide to go kill the Celestials. Who knows? It's it's just that the like the the cosmic and like multiversal parts of comics like always like there's there's so many powers like on top of each mm. other that it, it it starts getting like ridiculous when you think about it too much yeah um so like i don't know it, it's hard to keep it like it's it's a lot easier to keep it straight when it's just like a guy who built a robot suit and a, a guy that was frozen in world war Two. And a big guy that turns green. Mm. Um, and a magic guy with a hammer. Yeah. And then two people with who's like really good at guns and flipping. And a guy with a bow and arrow. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the, he, he only has a bow and <laughs> arrow. Years later. None of it makes sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. Weeden for that yep. line. Um, 
shit. Anyway. Um. Yeah, like, like, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're fighting aliens. And then it's like, okay, that's, that's cool. And it's like 10 years later, oh, the Earth, uh, is a giant alien. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're time police. <laughs> yeah, because, like, like, the story, the movie was bit, you know, the, like, the Earth X story was that, um, like, one, it, it's a story that tries to take all these weird, diverse parts of Marvel cosmology and bring them all into one narrative. So, like, the prologue to the story explains, like, the Deviants and then the Celestials and then humanity being created also by the... Well, the, the Deviants and the Eternals were created by the Celestials on this Earth, which is an egg for their baby. And um, then they make the humans as a third race... Um, and the humans all have, um, like a slot in their brains that is like the superpower slot, um, where they, or I, I think in the, in that book it's called a, it's the celestial seed, and that like when it breaks, your superpowers unlock, and that's why radiation, you know, when radiation starts becoming more prominent in human technology starts tripping people's powers, because it, he breaks the seed and gives them the powers that were inside them all along. Um, and the X-Men mutation is that just happening spontaneously as the Celestials getting closer to Awakening. Um, and the Inhumans are kind of an outside force on that, that the Kree are opposed to the Celestials, and so they use the Terrigen Mists to like hijack the seeds and you know, get their own, like, sleeper agents on Earth, which are the Inhumans. Um, and that if, you know, the superpower, someone's superpowers develop long enough, they become, like, a shapeshifter, and then lose their sense of self. So, that's what happened to the Asgardians, that they, you know, their powers developed so much that they stop knowing who they were and then they came to earth and the earthling said oh you must be thor and he said yes i am thor and just developed this persona that was put on him by humans um and and that's like the the defense that the celestials put in to stop um humans from getting too powerful is that if they got powerful enough they'd just forget who they were and you have their existence defined by someone else um, but, yeah, so, the story of that comic ends up being that, like, suddenly everybody's powers start kicking in, and society collapses, and there's, like, a human-level story going on of, like, Captain America trying to rally, you know, people together to stop the new Red Skull, who's a kid who's just, like, mind-slaving everyone, um, and then on, like, the broader scale there's a story where like they're trying to go get reed richards to do something about this celestial that's gonna hatch um and reed richards has like been in hiding because the rest of the fantastic four all got killed in a fight between um like namor and dr doom and i, I don't remember the, 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 there was a fight all, all the you know fantastic four got killed um reed feels really bad about it but they convince him to come back, and then he 
they realize that they need Galact that what Galactus is doing when he eats a planet is actually eating the celestial inside the planet. Um, but unfortunately, Reed killed Galactus at some point. I think using the ultimate nullifier because Uatu the Watcher gave him the ultimate nullifier because Uatu is an agent of the Celestials put there to watch over the Earth and make sure that the the baby hatches like it's supposed to. Um, and like the whole story is being like narrated by Uatu and Machine Man, who he's recruited to be his new eyes because Uatu was blinded by Black Bolt because isn't inhuman he knew about this whole celestial thing and um and so then um yeah so so reed realizes oh no he killed galactus how's he gonna stop this thing and he ends up um he, his son franklin richards was always stupidly powerful whenever he showed up in the comics so his deal his, his powers have escalated to the point that he's you know, a, a shapeshifter off in space somewhere. And so Reed calls him back to Earth and persuades him that he is Galactus and has him eat the Celestial and save the Earth. Um, so, I I mean, it it's a really complicated story, but it's really cool how it just takes all these elements of, like, so many things from different comics and just blends them all together into one, you know, as cohesive as you can get, um, narrative. That, <laughs> that I, I don't even know mm. how to, I mean, I, yeah, like, I, I'm, to put that together, yeah, the, the story is about, like, if you've ever read Watchmen, Earth X is about as dense as Watchmen, like, it's, yeah, it's one volume, but it takes so long to read it, because there's just so many layers of things going on all the time. And then it had two sequels yeah. that just got increasingly crazy. If, if the yeah. first one wasn't crazy enough, the second one, I don't remember. I've only read... I've read the first one a few times because I just liked it a lot. But the second and third, uh, I think I've only read them once. And all I remember is that the second one is... Um, it ends with... They, they convince Thanos to kill Death. Uh, because the, like death has just been using him all this time, so he kills death. So then, in the third volume, nobody can die, which is causing a lot of problems because it's like people will be like horribly injured and crippled, but they can't die. Um, and I think they end up like making a new heaven or something that people can go to. It was weird. Like it, it gets. Like, wow. at least the first volume does, you know, for as crazy as things get, it stays in the physical realm. You don't start getting into, like, the weird spiritual afterlife stuff that, like, the sequels start getting into. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't even know how to keep half of this straight. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a really cool idea to have you know like someone just write everything um into a cohesive idea mm. but also damn yeah <laughs> and like and i bring it up not just because eternals reference the comic but i mean even iron man 3 
kind of references it, because the whole thing with Extremis is that there's a slot in people's brains that isn't being used, that can be used to inject superpowers into. Um, so they were kind of referencing it way back then. And then nobody cared because Iron Man 3. Yeah, I mean, everybody was just mad about the Mandarin and, and the, you know, the, the rest of the movie wasn't that great. Yeah. We got to see um, Super Powered Pepper. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Uh, we got to see Tony yeah, being a dick to a kid because he could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Dad's leave. Shut the fuck up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a great yeah. lie. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to get sympathy for his dad who left, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> that happens. <laughs> It'd be funny if he said that to Thor, like after Ragnarok. Saying, <laughs> yeah, whatever, moms die. It happens to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just like every time a character's parent dies. Just <laughs> yeah, I think moms die, dads die, planets blow up. That's just how things go sometimes. <laughs> yeah, imagine all the speeches he would have to give Thor after Ragnarok in, in mm. game. Like that. Well, yeah, I mean, that after he won after the Dark World, where his, his mom died and his brother apparently died. And then another one after yep. Ragnarok, where his dad died and his planet died and his sister died. Um, and his friend Heimdall. No, wait, he, yeah. Heimdall survived until Endgame. Heimdall right? lived until, yeah, until Thanos killed him. Yeah. And then killed Loki again, because he didn't die the first time. Yep. He didn't die, like, the first three times. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, one time he fell off a bridge into space, but we didn't know if he was... Well, we knew he wasn't dead because of the credit scene, but yeah, Thor didn't he, know what happened to him. He just fell into space. He apparently just got teleported to Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, he fell into space and got picked up by Thanos and went back to Earth, and then, Than uh, and then Thor could go back to Earth despite having broken the bridge that would take him to Earth. Yep. They just they they fixed that bridge really fast. He just had to break it because you know it's like pulling a cable out of an electronic device to stop it from doing its thing. Um, they just had to plug it back in after. Yep, it's like the end of Iron Man three, where he destroys all the Iron Man suits, and then in the next Avengers movie, he has Iron Man suits. <laughs> yep, he built more. Yep, that was. That's probably the yep. worst. The worst. He built more, and he broke up with Pepper. But then, by Spider-Man: Homecoming, they're back together. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's probably the worst bit of continuity in the entire MCU. Uh, well, I mean, because like it's also at the end of Iron Man Two, where they say, "We want Iron Man, but we don't want you." Right. And then by Avengers, they just go straight to him for help. Well, to be fair, in that situation, it was like the shit's on right now, right? Mm. <laughs> so I. Like, yeah, it's not great, but... Yeah, it's a line that makes you think they've written Tony Stark out for the big crossover, and then yeah. they just bring him in. It, it, it was like, okay, um, we still don't know the contractual obligations of Robert Downey Jr., so... Well, he, he was on contract for six movies. Like, Iron Man 3 is when his contract was going to run out. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Some after Iron Man three, they had to like you know pay him a ton of money to be in Avengers and Spider Man and Civil War and all those. 
I think. I'm, I'm guessing they were just keeping their op- options open then. In case I mean, they actually, like wanted to make Don Cheeto a big star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Avenged... Bigger star. Age of Ultron might have been the last one, actually. Because I want to say his original contract <clears throat> was six movies. And... Um, you know, they blew one of them by putting him in the credit scene of Incredible Hulk. <laughs> that one scene cost him thirty million dollars, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it, it worked on selling people in two thousand eight on the idea that um, these movies are actually connected. Yeah. And then now the 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 Earth is an egg, so yeah. And now yeah. the movies are so connected that nobody can keep up with it all. Yeah, the movies are so connected that we can't have a Spider Man with without him like fucking going to space. <laughs> or yeah, talk, or like changing the universe. Yeah, he's just got to cross over with everyone, including all the old Sony movies that weren't connected before, but. Right. Now they are, because why not? Yep, now um, now the the Sony movies are their own um, specific universe, like within Marvel canon. Yeah, at least two universes. Yeah. Well, three. Um, well, well yeah. Spider-Verse 1 is off on its own. Well, I'm, I'm talking about Venom. Oh, well, so, the, the theories that Venom could be in the Andrew Garfield universe. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, know, th- there's nothing to contradict that. That's fair. Um, I I kind of hope it is just so Andrew Garfield gets to come back. Because, hmm. like I said, yeah, I, he, yeah. He, if he they was, want their Spider-Man versus Venom movie, they could just do that. He was, he was the best one in No Way Home. So, yeah, it's like like I know they left the symbiote piece in No Way Home so that. Somewhere down the line, Tom Holland can do a Venom thing, but if they, if it, they want. it feels really out of place in just the way that you know, the Tom Holland stuff works to suddenly have a Venom story. Whereas, like Andrew Garfield, I could see you know that we have an established Venom, and he's on the other side of the country from where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man would be, and like I could see the two of them crossing over. But what would it? Would it be too weird if they did that just to write a what if episode? <laughs> mm. like, like Marvel's uh, what if? Or... Yeah, because both of those are Sony things. Well, I I just mean like like they they use Holland Spider Man and what if though? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because just... he's MCU. But I mean, I guess Andrew Garfield and Venom are both technically MCU now. Even though they're also yeah. in non MCU, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking of like the the symbiote um, being left oh. in in the MCU. <laughs> yeah, um, that that would be <clears throat> pretty great, actually. Yeah, because it's it's like what if what if Spider Man had the Venom suit and he had no like personal relationships to bring him back? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Do- you know, the, leave that, you know, the Venom, do the, do the Venom story and the story about Shang-Chi's sister running the crime gang and all the other, you know, the story about uh, Harry Styles and the Eternals, 
you know, the, the ones that just don't seem like they're going to link to anything, just put Harry, them all in a what-if episode. Harry Styles <laughs> That's like the worst band I've ever heard. Eh, well, there's got to be something worse than that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they, of course, there is something worse, but I don't want to know about it. Hmm. Okay, um, the, this episode is titled Harry Styles and the Eternals. <laughs> Harry Styles and the Eternals parentheses spoiler in the title. <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to do, but it, it is well, funny to me. I mean, yeah, it'd be easy enough to just get a screen grab of it, and hopefully our ten <laughs> listeners don't mind that um, we're spoiling a credit scene from, like, three months ago that was spoiled before the movie even came out. Uh, sorry, Eugene. <laughs> no, he, he, I know Eugene has seen Eternals. Yeah. Okay, um, then. Um, hi, Eugene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Parenthesis spoiler. Yeah, I was just checking my notes. The only other things I have to talk about are that um, I've been playing. I was playing Pokemon Shining Pearl. I got through the Elite Four, but I'm now stuck on Cynthia, and I don't think I can beat her. But I don't want to lose and lose some money and have to go back and grind levels, so I'm just stuck there now. Um. Oh, and no. then I went and played Skyward Sword instead and finished it. It plays better on Switch than it does on Wii, but I still don't really like it as like a story or even like the the character's eyes just look really weird. Like there's just a, there's a lot of parts where their eyes look bugged out because the irises don't touch the lids of the eye, which, you know, if you know <clears throat> anything about like drawing faces that's one of the rules of when you're drawing someone's face is that the iris should touch the eyelid at some part of it otherwise it just looks weird and they do that all the time in this game hmm. and also i just i mean like it'd be nice if they had a text speed option because people talk so much about just nothing and <laughs> I, I wish i could just spam a button to get through the conversation and get on with the game like the the um, the the game grumps bit where he's mm. he's saying the song that the that the old guy um is singing, but like he's singing it in real time as the text comes up. Mm. So so Dan starts saying the wrong words and then correcting himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like yeah, the dialogue it's really slow, and I don't think it was as bad as it was on Wii for how. It's like white text on a light background with a gold border around it, so you can barely read it. It's just glaring. Um, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, like the the gameplay is mostly fine. Uh, it, it works better that you can use the right stick for your sword instead of having to use the remote and have to keep recentering the remote because it comes off center all the time. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've never played it, but I have seen it, and I really like the character designs. Mm. 
Like that's probably my favorite Zelda character designs that I've seen. Hmm. It, it's very well, like vibrant and like I mean, almost you have Disney-esque. a switch, so yeah, you have a switch, so you can get it if you ever feel like playing it. Yeah, so I can um, <laughs> so I could play a few hours and then stop because it, I don't know, I just bounce off of Zelda's apparently. Yeah, I mean, I did find, even though I I played it back on Wii, I still had to Google a bunch of things because the game just isn't clear about where you're supposed to go next. Like, they tell you, oh, go find this thing. I'm like, okay, well, where is it? It's like, well, it's somewhere in Skyloft. Okay, Skyloft's a big place. Do you want me to talk to every single fucking person in Skyloft to find this thing? Yes. Like, there was one where I had, like, this gemstone, and they're like, okay, well, it's part of a pair, and the other part of the pair is somewhere in Skyloft, and so I walked around, you know, like, I talked to all the people who I thought might know something, and none of them had anything to say, and I googled it, and it turns out you're supposed to stick it into a statue that has the other gem already in one of its eyes, and so how would I even know that was there? Like, I I hit the button to ask Fee for advice, to ask Fee for a hint, Ask Fee for rumors. You know, they have like three categories and it's all pointless shit that she tells you. Like, none of it. She'll either tell you your broad objective, the same thing you were told before. Like, well, this gemstone is part of a pair. You have to go find the other half of the pair. It's somewhere in Skyloft. And then you ask for advice and she says, this is Skyloft. There's lots of people to talk to here. And they ask for rumors. They say, well, uh, there's a treasure chest down on uh, Elden somewhere. And it's like, cool. Uh, That's not what I'm asking about. But you have a won't. 78% chance of looking this up on Google. Yeah, I mean, and that was one of the things about the Switch version that's nice, that at least you don't have your remote beeping at you every time Fee wants to tell you that your hearts are low. Because um, <laughs> it's like you've got your... The screen is already beeping at you because you've got two hearts left, and they're flashing, and you, know, you got the... And then also you've got your remote going, beep, 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 and you click it, and Fee's like, Master, your hearts are low. You need to refill your hearts. Yes, I, I know. I would do that if there were hearts around, Fee. The, there are no hearts around. Shut the fuck up. Get back in your sword. Um, but... Yeah, no, in, in the Switch version, it's just that your sword glows when Fee wants to tell you something. And it's the same pointless stuff about your hearts being low, or... I don't know if she tells you if your batteries are low. She definitely did that all the time on Wii, because that Wii Motion Plus drains batteries, and every time your batteries get low, she pops up to tell you, your batteries are low. <laughs> Yeah, that that sounds annoying. She is worse than Navi, as side characters go. Yeah, she's not as like riffed on because it, the game it, just wasn't wasn't as popular. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it wasn't as popular. It wasn't part. Like, Navi was part of that like early internet generation because it was you know, 1998. So people were memeing on that harder than. Yeah. Like, there's so much more media now that people aren't you know all playing the same game the way they were back in the late 90s yeah people still meme on portal more than uh just about anything so Mm. like yeah anyway (laughs) yeah any more um zelda hot takes uh no i think 
that is all the games I've been playing lately. I mean, since, since I finished Skyward Sword, I've just been kind of dabbling in Banjo-Kazooie, because that just got added to the Switch Online. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> Donkey Kong, like, Tropical Freeze, and, you know, some, like, just platformers. I'm just trying to collect stuff. Donkey, Donkey Kong platformers are fucking great. I love them. Mm. Yeah. I I like that like the original Donkey Kong Country you can beat in like an hour if you uh if you know what you're doing. Hmm. Oh well, um, yeah, I mean and that one like you know I think Donkey Kong Country three is my favorite of the original three. But that one's got like the most side stuff to do with the yeah. banana birds and the DK coins and the bonus coins. Yeah, like the the original Donkey Kong is just like Here's a level, beat it, go to the next one. Like, there's a save yeah. point over here, and there's a, you, like, You can collect travel. the Kong letters, they'll just get you a one-up, that's it. Yeah, yeah. like, there's no greater collectibles, yeah. It's yeah. just, a uh, beat five levels and then beat a boss, and go into the next world. Yeah, there's no secret endings or hidden paths, it's, it's yeah. one path, level to level. It did set the foundation for, like, some of the best music and video games at the time, though. Mm. So, so that's cool. Aquatic amb- ambience is... I said that in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> anyway, mm. that song is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, a lot of the stuff from that composer is just really good. And, like, Tropical Freeze, they brought him back. Um, oh, really? David Wise, I think, is the guy. Um, like he did the Donkey Kong games. I think he also... Oh, and no, Grant Kirkhope is the one who did yeah, Perfect Dark. I, I know Grant Kirkhope did a lot of rare stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, Kirkhope might have been the Donkey Kong one. Uh, I I think he was. Yeah, I think David Wise did Star Fox Adventures. I don't remember if Grant Kirkhope was involved in that one or not. but I, I have no idea <laughs> yeah. about that one, so... Uh, it also is a really good soundtrack. It was just like a lot of the rare games had really good soundtracks yeah. before Microsoft, and then they just became okay soundtracks. Yeah, they became the same soundtracks as everything else, I guess. Yeah, like after Microsoft bought them, a lot of the talent left, and yeah. so like uh, Ukulele has a decent soundtrack because that has you know the original rare people working on it, right? Apparently, it has a really good soundtrack and a really like mediocre everything else. So yeah, it's it's fine. If you want to collect a thon platformer game, it's fine. You know what series always has good music, except maybe like the Game Boy Advance game. Um, uh, I assume Ace Combat. Yeah, fucking right. Ace Combat kicks ass. Go mm. listen to the soundtrack; it's awesome. If if you like. Um, I don't know, synth rock orchestras, I guess, is mm. how I would describe it. Anyway. Yeah. Also, Metal uh, Gear has a lot of good music. Yes. Metal Gear has that one that goes like... Da-da-da-da. <laughs> yep. It's like, like, like the James Bond thing, except it's not uh, James Bond. Yeah, it was Metal Gear Solid 3. They did yeah. the Snake Eater theme song. What a thrill. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Some days you feed on a tree frog. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love how out of place that line is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's the part where it sounds like it's translated Japanese. Right. It's like, this, this probably sounded cooler in the original version. It's like, what a, what a thrill with darkness and silence mm. through the night or some shit. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, this is pretty epic. And then, some and days then, you like it, on a tree frog. Yeah, Every yeah. day is a struggle to survive. Yeah. Then something to find new light. <laughs> yeah. Some I give my life not for honor, but for you. Yeah, I might have listened to that one a little too much in college. There's a there's a version on YouTube. It's like a live version. Um, with like a band and everything, and the the singer just goes for it. It's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. All of them. Like it, it, it's like anime songs where the the lyrics are nonsense a lot of the time. Right. The singer is just so into it. Yeah. See, like, I, that's like the Peace thing Walker about had Weep. a song like that. The the song was junk, but the like it's just. Like the the singer really goes for it, and also just the moment in the game. It's like you you just like up against all these soldiers shooting at you, and it, it just felt really cool. Yeah, like the okay, I, I I'm not gonna compare this to to Daredevil from Ace Combat because like that that song is legitimately great, like all the way through, and there's no lyrics. It's just hmm. um singing, like choir esque singing um yeah, yeah when the shields go down and you get the whoa <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that's awesome that that really pumped me up to die <laughs> yeah no like it, it's great when game like even like the lego lord of the rings game it's you know as lego games go it's not that great but it has this one really cool moment where you're riding out from helm's deep uh, like on horseback, charging down through all the soldiers and stuff, and they just start playing the theme song, and it it just pumps up the moment way more than uh you'd think. Yeah. It would. Like like even like Mario Odyssey, where they they like um uh, jump up superstar and the the ending where they're playing um it's like a like a a rock song or something like while you're controlling Bowser, you know, mm. like blasting through the moon. Yeah. Like it, it, it's not hard to have a moment like that, but not that many games actually do it. Like mm. just, just like have a yeah, moment, just, put, just put some good it. music. Yeah. Like, yeah. like have a, have a big feeling moment. If that's the kind of, I mean, like obviously you don't want something like that. And like, the Last of Us or some shit, right? But like, <laughs> well, you uh, could. <laughs> well, I mean, like they're just not not like a like a really upbeat song, right? Like, I mean, there, mm. there's the at the end of the first Last of Us where you're like running through a hospital, like killing people who probably don't deserve it. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, like the big moment runs contrary to the idea of moral complexity, right? That it, it's you know it. It works best if it's at the moment where it's like you made a decision and this thing needs to happen and you're all in and you're just going to go for it. Like, I know, like, the Halo games had that, too, usually. Like, at the end, when you get to, like, the big chase to, you know, you, you decide to blow up the Halo 
and now you're in your warthog. This is da 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 just the music blaring and you got to get out of there as everything's exploding. Yeah, that that's the funny thing about the, the Ace Combat one I just talked about is that like you you didn't really do anything. Like it's the the characters who you've seen like throughout the whole game like not do anything. They like mm. they finally take down the shield so you can destroy the big bird. Mm. Wait, you kill big bird? Well, it <laughs> Why are you if, big bird? He's a love star. If well, if you pay attention to the the memes in the um, Ace Combat community, it's not Big Bird; it's Jeff Bezos's big drone blimp. Oh, okay, uh, that's fine. Because one guy made a fucking video about it, and people <laughs> repeat those memes from that video for years. Mm. Um, but that's that's what happens when you have a a relatively small community. Is that one joke takes over, and it's that one joke for 15 years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I played Pokemon. <laughs> yep, you played Pokemon. Anybody on the Discord can go... Um, I guess at this point, you probably have to go in gaming and then click yeah. on the threads button at the top to see the thread, if you haven't already joined the thread. Yeah. Um, and there's just a thread. And it feels kind of like the old days when you were posting screenshots on the old forum. Yeah. Except now it's on a e Discord. Except this time, um, it's a lot more like stream of consciousness instead of me like actually writing jokes that I can pay off later. Mm. Unless, unless I know. And you've like, made it so to the second game already. Oh yeah, I beat I beat Pokemon Blue Nuzlocke, which was not hard. <laughs> mm. Um. Like surprisingly just, small casualty rate yeah like i i lost a spearow just because i didn't know that sanchu knew slash um i lost a i lost a graveler because i switched in the wrong pokemon on accident hmm. uh, I, I switched it into a water pokemon which is <laughs> the worst idea um and i lost i lost a jolteon uh but like that was in the champion fight, so it didn't really matter. Mm. Uh, you know, like, I didn't want to lose it, but it's like, I'm not going to switch in anything into an Alakazam, mm. because that could get one shot, so I might as well just, like, hope that it doesn't attack, because it, I think it knows two moves that don't do damage. One or two. Mm. But, anyway. Yeah, it, it was not that hard like G gen one is relatively easy because like every pokemon aside from like one in every gym like just knows all the, the normal level up moves which are kind of garbage in, mm. in generation one so it's like what what's the first pokemon you fight in the championship fight it's a it's it's a pidgeot that knows like wing attack and agility. <laughs> so Okay, so it'll go first with those wing attacks. Yeah. Yeah, and, and whirlwind. Mm. So like it might just use whirlwind on you um constantly and not actually do any damage. Mm. 
yeah, it's like wing attack, whirlwind, um, sand attack. So it it also make you sand attack in the championship fight. It's kind of ridiculous. Hmm. Does um, it seem feasible that Blue could have beaten the Elite Four before he got to that champion position with the team that he has? Um, or are we just left to assume that he spammed a bunch of full restores? <laughs> well, he's got Exeggutor and Charizard for Lorelei. He's got Pidgeot and Gyarados for Bruno. He's got Alakazam for Agatha. And but isn't ice super effective on flying? Yeah, he's using Pidgeot but, for Lorelei. Yeah, I mean, like, like I I think all of Lorelei's Pokemon know like Aurora Beam, mm. which which is not a great ice move, anyway. Mm. Um. But yeah, like he he could definitely beat like the the only thing is I don't know about Lance because I don't know if he yeah, yeah he if he doesn't have any good ice or dragon moves he does have Alakazam though which <laughs> mm. I mean <laughs> he could just like outspeed one shot all of them probably mm. so yeah Al- Alakazam is like super broken in generation one mm. because um there there's no like special attack and special defense stats it's all just one special oh, so okay. so like on top of like hitting like a truck um like he's also super bulky as long as it's not a physical move mm. so yeah I mean, Dragonite would kill with hyper. Anyway, I'm just talking about stats now. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody cares about Pokemon stats. Yeah, all the math behind Pokemon confuses me to the point that, I mean, I'll never be a Pokemon master because I don't know how to check what an Eevee or an Ivy is or whether or not the ones I have are good or not or um, how to get better ones. Well, like, Ivies and Eevees, like, they, they matter, but it's also. Like, who cares? Like, just well, like it, like especially like I'm doing a nuzlocke. I get one, I get one shot unless my game uh, save gets wiped, mm. um, and I catch a fucking dunce part. I'm I'm legitimately upset <laughs> that mm. I, I ran into a dunce part because Geodude and Zubat are really really good. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and Gen two dunce parts and all it knew was rage. Yeah. So, so for anyone who doesn't know who wasn't in the thread, um okay, first of all, Nuzlocke rules you can only catch the first per the fir- the first Pokemon the first wild Pokemon you encounter in a new area. So I walk into Dark Cave, which is a an early area in uh Pokemon Gen two. And I encounter a Dunsparce, which is a 1% chance uh, encounter rate. Um, I think Zubat is like... I think Zubat and Geodude are like 50-50. Except the 1% for Dunsparce. 
and I hit a fucking thunder sparse, which is absolute garbage. But <laughs> all, it is, all it knows is rage, which is like the worst move in the game outside mm. of like splash. <laughs> It's a very uh, angry Dunsparce. And it sucks because it, like even if I catch a Zubat now, it'll take forever to level it up because of friendship. Mm. Or or to, to evolve it. Well, did like, you get a Zubat on the second run when uh Dunsparce broke the game with its boundless rage? No, I I recaught all the same Pokemon. Um including Dunsparce? Well, I, I didn't I wasn't gonna grind for a Dunsparce. I caught okay, a Rattata. So you're, just, so you're skipping the the Dark King. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I caught a Rattata and I named it Dunsparce. Okay. <laughs> I'm not using it. I will. I'll sub it in to kill it at a later date, probably. Mm. Yeah, sacrifice <laughs> um, the Dunsparce. On yeah, the altar of victory. Yes, it, his his rage will be my uh, benefit. Yeah, mm. I'll. I'll probably do it to Claire um, because I'll probably need a clean switch to kill her Kingdra because it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, like G- Gen 1 Nuzlocke, not hard um, because all the AI Pokemon are not good. They use attacks randomly and even when they don't, like you can trick them into using attacks that won't hurt you. Mm. Um, all the moves such a garbage. <laughs> like you don't you don't learn any good moves for most Pokemon. Um. So yeah, it was it honestly was kind of just like going through the game normally. Um, except except I I switched out Pokemon before they died, which I mean I'm good at math. So, like, I can kind of tell, like, okay, if I get hit with a critical hit here, I'm probably going to die, so I'll switch it out. Mm. So, yeah. It was interesting, though. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's only going to really get, like, difficult once I get to Gen 3 and abilities are a thing. Mm. Because that... But you're I don't know. not doing Nuzlocke rolls on that one, are you? I'll I'll try it. I'll attempt it. Um, and if mm. I fail, then I'll I'll just finish the game normally. No. Right. I mean, I don't remember any of the abilities being all that busted. Yeah, like there's 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 just mm. some where it's like, okay, this Pokemon can't be put to sleep, or or some shit like that, which mm. is situationally good but can also like just fuck you up if um it's also really I, I don't know I like I I don't I don't know either because I've only played Gen 3 like once and not even all the way through I, I quit yeah, at Victory I mean, Road from, from what I remember most of them are pretty ignorable like I don't think any of the ones that the NPCs have would be that much of a problem um if you try to go Reggie hunting, they all have clear bodies, so they, you know, can't get, like, negative status effects or anything like that. But, I mean, usually when I play, I, I you know, throw out all the growls and agilities and stuff as soon as I can and replace them with attacks that actually do damage. 
Yeah, ag agility is really good in Gen 1 because um, there's a stat boost glitch mm. where, like, if you if you change your stats, it'll raise all of your stats. So oh. I kind of abused that <laughs> with Snorlax. But, mm. um, yeah, it's not that good after... <laughs> After Gen 1. Because, like, raising your, if you're using a turn to raise your speed, you're not really gaining anything. Yeah, like, they're, they're just hitting you in the time that you're... You know, you're better off just slamming them with damage as hard and fast as you can while they, you know, the AI just yeah. does these stupid little, you know, growl attacks that aren't actually hurting you that much. Yeah, the... the the only time, like, raising your speed um, is good is if you're, you're like, in a in an in, in Elite Four fight and their first Pokemon isn't that good. And mm. you could just set up, like, to... You could, like, set up attack and speed to just kill everything in one hit. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess if you have, like, double team and your first evasion boosts your evasion enough that you don't get hit, then you can make yourself, you know effectively unhittable if you're able to do multiple evasion boosts but otherwise you know if they still hit you even after the first you know they could still just kill you before you get too evasive yeah also i i i i'm playing like i don't i don't want to spam items to win mm. but I, but i will if i really need to <laughs> so like I'm kind of doing it without items, but not really. Mm. I used the poker flute, so <laughs> that's that's not really. Uh... <laughs> anyway, yeah. Mm. So so yeah. Um, if you like Pokemon, go to the gaming box on the Discord and go to the go to the Pokemon thread. I haven't updated it in like two days because I've been busy. Very busy. Mm. But I have um, I have a Centret named Walker, a Spiro named Texas, and a Butterfree named Ranger. <laughs> so. so, yeah, because the naming convention of the first game was all butt-related. Yeah. Is the naming convention of this going to be, like, TV show-related? Or... I mean, it, it could be, like... I, I named the, the Cyndaquil Backfire just because Eugene came up with it and it's a really good name for a Cyndaquil. Mm. Um, and then the the first one I caught was a Centret, which is Walker, because of the, the Ferret walking meme. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, then, I didn't get that one, but I wasn't thinking of its evolution. Yeah. Uh, well, th that's why I named it Walker. And then I, after I named it Walker, I was just like, oh, I guess I have to name the next two... Texas Ranger, <laughs> mm. <laughs> like for the joke. So I mean, like that—that that wasn't an intentional thing that I wanted to happen. It's just a thing that did happen. Mm. So yeah, I don't know if I really have a theme. Um, I guess butts are still on the table. <laughs> um, I just haven't named any after butts yet because they haven't had any good opportunities. Mm. Um. All right, have we hit our time? Like, I think you need to go at some point. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's a little bit shorter episode, 
you know, scheduling and stuff. And but there's also not that much to cover. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also kind of dabbling in updating a deck while we're talking because uh, I don't remember what it was. There, there was something about the my Zedru deck that I wanted to add. Oh yeah, I wanted to update the lands because I realized I didn't have some of the newer lands in it, and now I'm looking through it and realizing, hey, I can put some fun curses in this deck. Um, <laughs> like, <'cause>, fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 because, I mean, it, well, because it's a creature whose ability is that being in your upkeep, you gain X life and draw X cards where X is the number of permanents you own that your opponents control, and then you can pay a blue, a red, and a white to give one of your permanents to an opponent. So you give people crap, and then you benefit from it, is how it works and like one of the strategies to that is you play an enchantment that targets something and then you give them the enchantment because the target's already declared so it doesn't change so this thing you know like oblivion ring is you know there's a bunch of cards that do that effect where you play it exile target permanent and then you can just give your dead oblivion ring to someone else and it doesn't matter and now you're benefiting from it um nice curses are the same way where it's like you play it targeting an opponent, that opponent gets a negative effect on them, and then you can give the opponent that curse, because it's already targeting them, and they're not changing the target, you're just shifting where on the battlefield the enchantment is sitting. Um, so yeah, it could be fun. I, I also I built a second version of Zedru that was a stacks deck, but I don't really like playing stacks, and I, only, I just put in what I had, so the deck's not very good. Um, stacks are cards that are just... Uh, uh, you know, like, sandbagging people, you're, like, increasing the costs of everything they want to cast, and making it so you, like, you can only play uh, one creature per turn, and stuff like that. That's the lamest shit. And you just pile, so, like, yeah, the deck is, just, I, I thought about putting in, like, book and library-related cards, and calling the deck, like, Silence in the Library, and it's just, like, no, shh, stop, 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 stop playing that much stuff, no, stop, slow down, slow down, and you just, you know, make it so nobody can play anything, and you just hand them all the stuff, and while they've got control of your stuff, you're drawing extra cards, and you just draw your way into the second sun, which is the win condition. But the deck isn't very good at protecting itself. Like once it gets started, people can just punch it in the face until it dies. And good. So that's <laughs> that's how that deck goes. I it's not a playstyle I enjoy, but I have so many cards. I have pieces for that kind of deck lying around, so I just put them all together into this quirky version of a stacks deck. Yeah. That. That sounds like a solitaire playstyle. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what ruined Hearthstone for me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have decks that could be I mean, called that, solitaire know, a, because a, it's, they're just generating the so much value. Aside from sexual allegations. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Activision Blizzard's owned by Microsoft now, so it's all okay. Yeah, yeah so every, everything's fine now. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll fire all the bad people and nothing bad will ever happen again. Yeah, because the PR won't let them get to them. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that much about, you know, the deep parts of the gaming industry. It seems like Microsoft is at least not as bad as a lot of the other big companies. That, like, when they acquire studios, they don't then just, you know, throttle them like EA does to a lot yeah. of the things they've acquired. Um, so, like, I, it's not the worst thing they could have been absorbed by, I guess, and considering how Activision was doing before this, it's a positive. It's not the best positive, but it, it's a positive compared to the major negative. Yeah, the... 
the the negative of Microsoft getting Activision is that um, it's like the Disney situation mm. where like it like they're one step closer to owning like a, a significant amount of all the Western developers. Yeah, uh, or the, and I the know big, like, like the PlayStation the big ones players that... are worried about missing out on Activision stuff, but. I don't care. By that I same time, I mean, PlayStation has had so many good exclusives that they've just been, like, bragging, you know, like Spider-Man. You know, yeah, that, that's... That you've just been like, oh, look at all the stuff you can play here that you can't play on your Xbox. Oh, no, now Xbox is going to have stuff we can't play on here. That's um, the thing, like, Sony has not been banking on Call of Duty f- mm. for, like, a decade. Like, yeah. the, the, the whole point of Sony is that they have, like, the... Um, yeah, like God of War and Spider Man and Uncharted and The Last of Us. Yeah, like they've Horizon got their own Zero stuff, Dawn. and they've got I think like more Japanese, like more, more of a foothold in the Japanese market of like yeah. people who don't want to play Nintendo because it's it's like a very insular. Um, it's it's for babies. They want to play Call of Duty Shooter Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's like they they don't they have their market and they'll be fine, but um, yeah, I don't know, gaming and stuff. Yeah, the uh, another thing about Everything Microsoft is so much. Yeah, like my like I feel like Microsoft and Sony both like when they're winning they turn into huge assholes. Mm-hmm. So my worry is that like all the goodwill that Microsoft has been building up for like the past two years is like just gonna go right down the toilet because they're winning. Yeah, because hopefully, because it's it's felt like their strategy has been you know let every gaming whatever be on everything because we're gonna make all our money back off Game Pass. Right. Um, and if they keep with that, it'll it'll be fine, I guess. Um, but. Yeah, like it. It seems like they're not. They they like, like they're selling consoles just to have a console, like not because they actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, to... yeah. The the consoles are there for the people who don't want to pay for a big gaming rig, and just want the traditional style. You have a gaming box and a controller, and yeah, you buy discs that you stick into your gaming box to play games with your controller. Yeah, like there, there's no way, like, like, like so far, I think the the new Xbox, whatever the fuck it's called, and the PS Five, uh, I think they're both still sold out. Mm. <laughs> so like, there's there's really no like bidding war, <laughs> like on on or, uh, not bidding war, just uh, like sales war. Um. Yeah, like, it's, wh- which one is better? It's just wh- whoever can roll the most out is whoever's going to sell more. Yeah, I mean the yeah, the chip shortage has really shot Sony in the foot. Yeah, thank you, crypto miners, you fucking assholes. Yeah, well, yeah, no, they, they got to you know get their apes and stuff. Like, <laughs> how are they going to prove to the world that they own these avatars of apes without you know buying up all the chips? Yeah, like. By the way, like people who say that NFTs aren't just 
crypto by another name or idiots. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, any any time I see one of those articles like complaining about ownership of NFTs, it's like, no, it's it's money laundering. The, yeah. the whole thing is money laundering. Just <laughs> which I guess yes, you. you know, I I was watching an episode of Drawfee and they're like, well, all, you know, fine art is just money laundering. Which yeah, it kind of is. You know, it's like you you want to put your money in something that isn't just you know the regular government controlled money sources so you buy a piece of fine art and say it's worth 15 million dollars and and then someday you can sell it for more or less than yeah. that you know it, it's like that except for the digital age and also it uses a shitload of computer processing power that's um causing environmental and technical problems everywhere but yes but i can't get a ps5 which is the real problem <laughs> yeah all right i think <laughs> so we'll end on end on that we we have officially taken our anti-nft stance uh so the 10 people who listen to this if they're not clinging to their precious ape avatars can applaud <laughs> how, how brave of us yeah. <laughs> stunning and brave also i think racism is bad <laughs> Oh, well, we're going to have to save that one for next episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll have to defend my um, minority <laughs> opinion on that one. <laughs> Can you uphold your your stance against racism? Yeah, hot, hot take. Racism is bad. Mm. Like, thanks, Kotaku. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, this was fun, even though I woke up like 15 minutes before we started. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a, got a fresh one. Uh, shack fuck after dark, literally. Mm. <laughs> because we recorded at like 8 in the morning. <laughs> yep, well, yeah, any any time of day is after dark. Unless yeah, it is dark. But like, and then like it, right it after dark, dark like yeah. the sun was coming up. Mm. Uh. Anyway, goodbye. Eat ass, I don't know. Yep. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>